Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a man you know on Twitter as JeppaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep. Hey, Pete. How's things? Excellent. Round one is in the books. We finalised our squads over the weekend as round one progressed, which was quite interesting because there were certainly a few decisions on the fly that we had to make to finalise our squad, which, you know, actually I made one decision as, as the game was playing on that was the Nick Martin issue um, that he was scoring just way too good that I had him as emergency I put him onto the ground and made a decision you probably had a, a one or two scenarios the same but looking through some of these squads in the top 25 and we'll get into ownership soon is that you know a few decisions were made on the short term so you know I, my thought process was long term but how did you go in round one? Yeah, pretty well. I'm really happy with my structure, uh, number one. Um, yeah, just all, all the primos sort of hit, except Cornelio, but that's okay. And, um, yeah, got a bit of work to do. I, unfortunately, the pressures of rolling lockout, I, I missed out on Jack Hayes from Saints. But, yeah, other than that, we're looking pretty good. Okay, uh, we're moving into a different phase of the game now, so it's really interesting. Your thoughts there? Yeah, so it's all about trading, isn't it? What, whose value, what, um, what the moves are made, positions, roles, and um, assuring yourself that the primos and mid-prices that you missed or even the rookies um, are there to stay and um, they've got the scoring potential. Yeah, it was critical. Well, for now, it's critical to hit on as many players as possible with a low break-even. But importantly, the ability for those players to remain best 22, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. So you're picking players that, one, if they're in a primo sense, going to be there for the whole year. Two, if they're a mid-pricer, going to earn a lot of dollars. And same with the rooks. So, look, there's a few. there was a few surprises in the round and, and nothing short that we won't disclose shortly. Okay, what was your theme for your round one squad? So for me, it was starting with 12 primos. That was an absolute non-negotiable for me um, from the get-go, even back all the way in last year, December. So I had a structure there, sorted that out. And then the other thing too was to limit the first-year players that were on field. So my structure actually has Josh Ward as my mid-bench. I've got Horn Francis and Dacos on field and same with Joshua Shirley. So they're the... The only three first-year players I've got, plus I've got McCartan and Nick Martin as some mature age rookies in there as well. And, um, yeah, like I said, really happy with my structure, mate. Yeah, for me it was uh, building that squad and it was playing the long game. Uh, no players on field that could be dropped initially in the first few rounds. So, And, and for me as well, as a strong bench. Um, I tried not to select any injury risk-type players. Um, and building flexibility into that squad was really important. Obviously, with it, we're going to get impacted uh, with players missing throughout this year with COVID. So, you know, flexibility in your team and obviously using um, your bench rotations to move players in and out of your squad throughout the year. If you do get impacted through rolling a lockout, it, I, I could see is a pretty important part of um, the strategy for this year. So um, name your three players you didn't start and why. So this is going into round one and you specifically didn't start with them and just tell me why. So the first one was Malira. I thought 
all the messaging that came out of the Crows was his, he was a little bit underdone and his time would be managed, and that's exactly what transpired. So as a mid-price, you really got to hit it from the start to get that cash generation um, straight away. So I, I left that. Um, I'm pretty happy with that decision for the time being. Another was Jack Hayes from the Saints. I, um, I took Rats's words in the media for, for gospel where he was really ins- insistive that Ryder was gonna, wasn't too far away from coming into the senior side. So I thought, oh, Jack Hayes might be a one and done or to get two games for the season, that'll be it. So I, I left that. And then he um, obviously played and had a blinder, so that's changed things dramatically. Um, and then the third one's actually Heaney. I, I just wanted assurance on his role before picking him. I, I felt like if if it wasn't as much midfield time as um, as we'd hoped for and, and the like, that uh, I, then I would just you know not pick him and, and look at it later. But uh, yeah, he looked really good. His role looked sensational. He's obviously in tip-top shape and his forms at the elite level. So that was one I missed, and um, I'm happy to jump on him now. And he's he's one of my options for this week. Okay, for me it was uh, Jai Caldwell. So the player out of that team was Jake Stringer. Now. The Bombers do have forward line issues, and Stringer could spend some time in the forward line, but they got decimated in that midfield, and they they need strong bodies. Now, I spoke about in the pre-season with regards to Stringer and the big body that he is, that, you know, that Rutten likes to use him as that big body against opposition big body mids. So I've got to imagine if he comes in this week that he's going to see a fair man of usage through that midfield. So I skipped on Caldwell based on the fact that, you know, once Stringer comes into the mix, you know, where does Caldwell actually sit in that rotation? Uh, we spoke about that also throughout the preseason that we, we think he can get enough ball um, to, you know, tip those scores over, which he did. Now, I thought he was strong value, but it was just one spot I actually just wanted to take a stand as well. And I thought he would be pretty owned as well. So, yeah, just happy to take that spot on. So let's see where that plays out with Stringer coming into the team and, you know, what sort of scoring output Caldwell can have. Uh, the next one was actually Max Gorn. So I spoke last week on the pod that, you know, I couldn't fit that structure in. I wanted the Gorn and Grundy combo. So um, I had to make a cut somewhere, and it was gone. Um, so far, it's okay. I moved on to Jared Witch, which actually turned out to be quite okay. And the last player there that I uh, took a fade on was Patrick Cripps. So if, uh, for me, I, there was no doubt on the value. His preseason was fantastic. Everything, the boxes ticked everywhere. So all good for me, but I just wanted to go in a different direction where I thought he would actually be, be a popular own. So I gave up. A bit of value there just to head down a different direction with my um, uh, premium-type midfielder. So, all right, let's move on to the next one. So paying up for multiple players in defence was certainly no guarantee in round one, Jep. No, yeah, there's a lot of underperforming primo defenders and um, and mid-prices for that matter. And, yeah, it's unfortunate because, you know, they're there to do a job and, and, and that's going to play a part in the strategy now. Do you um, do the tradey primo or do you target them first? It's it's quite interesting. I'd I maintain that it's only one week of data and not to uh, get too trigger happy. But, um, yeah, it's definitely interesting that all primos failed or most primos failed in defence. And just finally, it's a one-game sample size. That also means we're, yeah. we're in quite a high-variance situation at this early stage of the game, Jet. Yeah, so look, the, the, 
Crisp can come out as an example and blitz it this week and, and all is fine and well. So just be careful with what you're trading and how you're trading and um, thinking ahead. Um, but, yeah, they're primos for a reason and they should come good. Okay, we are talking AFL season-long classic mode. Uh, so AFL fantasy season-long classic mode. This discussion is pre-round two. This podcast has been recorded on Tuesday night, March 22. And, of course, the news keeps being crushed out on AFL ratings network as well. Uh, the content is free. Likes and retweets are always appreciated. Again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. All right, Jet, we're going to talk some ownership straight off the bat in round one. So I'm just going to throw some numbers at you and just uh, tell me what you think uh, pops into your mind. So this is round one, top 25 ownership. So the thing that we've got to keep in mind here is that obviously, you know, one one round only, so that you're going to get some players that are highly owned based on what they actually scored Um in round one, so you're going to get a Dan Houston potentially pop in there, or you're going to get someone else pop in there. So uh, obviously, we sort of need to take note to where you know some of these top ranked teams uh, already have and what sort of players they have. But you know, once we get to the mid mid part of the season, you know that ownership will start to level out, and we'll get a really good gauge on where the top ranked teams sit. So just keep that in mind. You know, obviously the good scoring players are going to be right in this. Uh, group of players that we're going to go through right now. All right, so Rux Jet, it's Jack Hayes, 72%, Rowan Marshall, 44%, Brody Grundy, 40%, Jared Witts, 20%, Timmy English, 12%, Rolly O'Brien, 8%, Max Gorn, just 8%, Luke Jackson was in there for 4%, Tom Hickey and Sam Draper, all at 4% as well. Thoughts there, Jet? Yeah, some of those lower-end um, targets like English and Draper, they're, they're a bit of a surprise. I thought English performed really well. Um, but, yeah, with one week of data, so a lot to happen still. In the defensive part of the ground, let's go George Hewitt, 88%, very strong ownership right there. Lockie Whitfield, 80%. Despite, despite his low scores, he still pops in those highly ranked teams. James Sicily, 68%. Dan Houston, 52%. Paddy McCartan, 44%. Aaron Hall, 24%. Jaden Short, 20%. Wayne Miller, 20%, which is quite interesting for his low score. Now, this is on-field only. Some of those players could be uh, placed on the bench and some of those teams that didn't rate into this data. Thoughts, Edget? Yeah, so Whitfield, Short and Malira, the, two, the three, sorry, that scored poorly, um, but still featured. So that sort of suggests that they're the value picks. All right, into the midfield, Matty Rail, obviously 96%, Nick Dacos, 96%, Lockie Neal, 80%, Patrick Cripps, 72%, Jason Horn francis 64%, Jack McRae, 64%, Joy Caldwell, 48%, Jack Steele, 28%, Christian Petrarca, 20%, and Matt Crouch, 20%. Thoughts there, Jep? Yeah, look, no surprises there. Onto the forward line, Josh Dunkley, 80%. Josh Rochelle, 68%. Stephen Canelio, 60%. Zach Butters, 56%. Will Brody, 60%. We've got Nick Martin there, 52%. Isaac Haney, 44%. Tim Taranto, who pumped out a really nice score in round one, 40%, which is interesting. Yeah. Adam Trelaw, 40%. Dustin Martin, 28%. Thoughts there? Yeah, look, again, a good spread. It's, it's more the... Um the Canelio, who I didn't, I thought he underperformed personally. So there's movement, potential movement there, and yeah, all the rest were, were pretty, uh, pretty standard. All right, let's get on to the next item here, Jep. So who are your top three targets for round two, assuming you don't own any? 
So for me, it's it's Hayes, it's Jack Hayes, absolutely, for his value and cash um, earnings that will transpire. I really liked um, what Heaney provided and his role and, and his game, like I said earlier, so he's definitely on my list as well. And also Tim Taranto, just a bit of a, a left-field sort of pick, um, probably still a bit of low ownership, even though you just mentioned he's 40% owned amongst the uh, top 25, but even still, I... I feel like not many could afford to jump on him at the moment. So he's another I'm looking at. Yeah, Jack Hayes for me, obviously, didn't start with him in round one. I didn't start with George Hewitt as well. So uh, the reason for that was actually based on Sam Walsh coming back in and what that would do. But, you know, George Hewitt, the the, owner, the midfield usage was certainly going to be there and was in round one. So I'm going to just make that correction in round two. And Luke Foley, so I had this rule of no players over 300k for West Coast and Frio. Um, except for one player, and that was Brody. Started with him, but Foley's probably almost likely to come into my team this week as well. So let's see how we go. I've got to make two of those three decisions, and then I'm pretty comfortable with my team. Alrighty, so notable low break evens. Jeff, let's get into it. So Nick Martin has got a break even of minus 44. Jack Hayes, minus 31. Nick Dacos, minus 7. Josh Rochelle, minus 7. Tyson Stengel, minus 3. Corey Durden was actually pretty solid in round one, finishes 59 points, is at minus three, and obviously Luke Foley there at just 11. Thoughts on any one of those? Yeah, they're all pretty much must-have except Stengel. I thought, you know, I wouldn't lose sleep over not owning Stengel at all. Um, he's not going to kick four goals every week, and, yeah, it's um, that's when he can fade out. But I think all the rest are, are pretty required, even Luke Foley to a point. Now, the, the Eagles team, I, I will just expand on Foley a bit now because there's been a bit of interest in him and copying a lot of tweets during the last 48 hours. It's, Foley's role is going to be pretty fluid, so he's going to move between the halfback to wing. Now, we've got Witherden coming back. There's Duggan not so much this week, but in the next couple of weeks. So Foley's going to be a bit of a Mr. Fix-It in, in a couple of ways. So he did play between halfback and, and wing last against the, the Suns. Um, Nelson played a bit on the wing as well and halfbacks. They sort of shared that role. And obviously he played really well, matured hard at the ball, ticked a lot of boxes, and Simo would have been really happy with him. But just keep in mind his role is going to be fluid. He's going to score really well against the Kangaroos this week, but then after that it's a bit up in the air. So all for bringing him in and just – risking again that cash generation but it could be you know by round four or five that he's upgraded okay let's get on to players that are potentially going to see a drop in salary so took miller he's got a break even of 149 tom mitchell 143 jack crisp 143 jack Steele, 141 we get on to max gorm 138 and callum mills there 134 jet how many of those do you own probably a couple in there and not only that these players we're going to be targeting uh, in a few weeks once we get some coin on our side, yeah? Yeah, I didn't realise what Steele's um, BE was until you mentioned it. But obviously, like we've said, he can I've got... That. Yeah, I could, but I've got three of, of the list he mentioned, Crisp, Steele and Gorn, and um, I'm not trading any one of them because I'm backing my premiums for a reason. Crisp's still got the role. He just weirdly couldn't find the ball against the Saints, and... Still, we know what Steele can do, and as the same with Gorney. 
All right, so we're going to get move on to some strong scoring output in round one. So Dan Houston, what a game from Houston in round one. So 150 points. Tom Green, oh, he just looks like a beast in that midfield for the Giants. Yeah. Look, he just looks like a giant amongst any one of those midfielders that he was matched up against. He was awesome, 133 points. Aaron Hall, he comes off his hamstring injury and, you know, I was sort of off him pre that anyway, but, you know, he comes in and just goes back to normal uh, scheduling. He scores 125 there. Ben Keyes into that midfield at a strong rate through that second half, and he was outstanding as well. So 132 points there. But with Keyes, we've got to keep in mind that Jordan Dawson is going to see a little bit more midfield usage over time. And Rory leads to come back into that team as well. So there's going to be a little bit of a fluctuation there with that um, Adelaide midfield. Uh, then we're going to Luke Davis Unaki. He was excellent, 121 points. Bailey Smith was outstanding, 154 points. Tim Taranto, yeah, well, the scoring rate's still there, 128 points. Uh, Matt Kennedy, you know, we spoke about him in the podcast a couple of weeks ago. So he's got that, you know, inside bull type midfield. And we spoke about also the Carlton midfield under Michael Voss, and it just looked really impressive under him there, right there. So 122 points. Um, Isaac Heaney there, 121 points. Christian Petrarca, obviously high ceiling type player as well and, and not much ownership there probably for most of the year if he can hold his price. And Nick Martin, obviously there, 130 points in round one on debut, which was fantastic. So thoughts on any one of those, Chip? Yeah, look, really loved Petrarca. One I had on my watch list and it was in and out of my team at uh, M1 for, for, for a bit of it and um, unfortunately didn't pull the trigger and, and um, but yeah he looks in tip top shape same with Timmy Taranto I thought Matt Kennedy was brilliant and um, yeah I thought Luke Davies Uniac was actually really really good too so he was probably the surprise of, of the lot yeah he was best on ground I had at least anyway to half time and the, uh, the kangaroos fell away in the second half a little bit, but I thought he was outstanding. So uh, it's probably not one for me to look at. Uh, Tom Green, you know, I nearly pulled the trigger on starting Tom Green at round, round one, uh, which would have been interesting, pulling out 133 points. So let's see how that um, plays out. But, yeah, he's going to be... He's just a contested bull. So, you know, and that was a pretty... That game is really hot, you know. And that's just another thing that we've really got to take into consideration. Some of these games that were played on the weekend, uh, go back to that Jai called World game. That was really... Uh, Ten minutes of the game, the, the game was over. So it was just a soft game, and a lot of a lot of points were scored freely, after you know, for most of the game. And Essendon's contested possessions were down low. Then we get into the um, Tom Green situation, where that was a wholly contested... That game was on for four quarters. So, you know, really uh, uh, paid quite yeah. a, a lot of attention to that game. You know, wholly contested, that sort of suits his game. And then we get into, like, the Hawthorne and North Melbourne game, you know, that was really uncontested. There was, you know, both teams weren't that crash hot. You know, the quality of the game wasn't there, and that's where you probably potentially get Sicily, who, you know, pretty much did as he liked in that team. You know, he goes over to Port Adelaide this week. You know, Port Adelaide aren't going to let him run right there in that, in that defence uh, for the Hawks, so you just really got to pay attention, you know, especially we're, we're trying to make decisions going into round two, is that what type of game did the players that you're looking at, did they play in round one, you know, and I'll reference again that Geelong and Essendon game, that was as soft as butter, like in 10 minutes into that first quarter, that game was over, um, so yeah, and then apparently... I thought Essendon, I thought, sorry, I thought Essendon were really poor in that game, and that's why Stringer will be at the centre bounces because they just no lacked a bit of yeah. punch, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so and a couple of, like, I thought round one was actually quite excellent. So And that Frio, 
you know, the Frio and uh, Adelaide game and Andrew Brayshaw in that midfield are just racking out points left, right and centre. So, But then you've got to factor in that Fives coming back into the team. But I only think that's actually going to make a good thing for Brayshaw. So yeah. because Fives, Fife, you know, again, you and I have spoken regularly on this podcast about the number two. The, he's going to be the number two because Fives, Fives is surely number one. So if Brayshaw's getting those points against Adelaide in a holly, that game is right on from after half time. So and he just racked up those points. So really, I just couldn't emphasise any more than say, take a look at that round one game. How, the player that you're looking at right now for round two, how did they fit in? And you mentioned Luke Foley into West Coast. That the West Coast teams a really fluid situation going into round two. You know, things are going to move. It's not really going to be what we've seen. You know, and for those who got Will Brody, and I'm one of them, is that you know, you know, once Fife comes back into that team, you know, he's potentially could see a reduction in centre bounces. So really got to factor in a lot of these He could potentially be dropped. And and I know that's a big statement, but look, there was only four four mids um, used at CBAs against Adelaide, and he was one of them along with Sarong, Brayshaw and Mundy. So it's really interesting how that all plays out. Oh, look, it's certainly a range of possibilities in the future, but I don't think in the short term because I, I believe, just from memory, I did those coach quotes on the AFR Ratings website. So it was basically that uh, Longmuir was really positive in his comments towards Brody after that in a press conference. So that, those were his first thoughts. So that just gave me reassurance that you know, he's there at least for the short term. But I, it's it's in the, certainly in a range of possibilities, so I don't disagree with you there. Um, but, yeah, just keep in mind... and. A few situations like um, maybe even Darcy Parrish. So this is, you know, you've really got to take into consideration what happened during the game as well. So in the first few minutes, Kyle Langford goes down with an injury. So then what happens to Darcy Parrish? He spent a lot of time in that forward line after Langford went off because they needed sort of a marking option. And this is where the game was getting out of control. You know, once it hit half-time, the Parrish started to go back into that midfield a little bit more, and they started to uh, accumulate some points. Now, let's go into the Saints game. We were talking about Sinclair and a couple of others into that midfield, so they got to, they got their um, issues in that midfield with the Saints. So that's a fluid situation there as well to keep an eye on. So just really got to take into consideration, and we've spoke previously also on this podcast with regards to the players out of the team and who's coming back in. So, you again, you mentioned with regards to Withered and what does that do to Foley, and you've got Duggan to come in there as well, and then all of a sudden uh, Jack Darling's to come back into that team as well, and what happens for the, everyone that started, well, in their squad at least, uh, Hugh Dixon, so what does that do there? And then the Paddy Ryder situation. Jeppa, there are so many fluid situations happening with our teams at the moment. I mean, it's just... Like, you really got to factor it in, all of it. So the de- decisions now in this round two, round three, you know, uh, try and try and hit those perfect trades, which is, you know, you know, sometimes a perfect trade. And we spoke pre-podcast about a couple of our decisions that were, you know, in hindsight, we, we would still make them based on we're not going to be really results-orientated. Yeah. We're going to be actually process-driven uh, with regards to, you know, we have our checklist, you and I. So we tick, 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 and we make that decision. We, we're not really fussed about the score because over a period of a home and away season, look out, we should be in front by the end of it. So thoughts on all of that, Jeff? Yeah, spot on. I think really what you're emphasising is the trades that you make this week and next week and even the week after really going to set up your year and they're super critical. Don't take them lightly. Plan ahead. It's a rolling lockout. So, look, on the Saints and Frio games, the last game, is, is do you have the backup plan if it all goes to 
to poo if there's, you know, a late COVID protocol and all the rest of it. So you, you can't leave any option or possibility um, off, you know, it's not off limits, is it, of what can happen. So we saw Jake Lloyd, although it wasn't stated as COVID, it sounds like he missed because of COVID protocols and um, and he'll be in the team this week. So that was a spanner for me because um, that sort of forced a bit of a reshuffle um, in a sense. So... Yeah, anything can happen. Plan ahead, have a backup plan, have two or three backup plans. Just on the COVID situation, I really don't really like talking about it, but it's something we're going to have to face this year, Jip. So if players are actually, you know, a close contact is in health and safety protocols as well. So, you know, if we can get that information out that it's actually a COVID positive for a player, the interesting part is, so for those uh, listeners that play um, NBA fantasy, um, APL fantasy, um, NFL fantasy and they would have gone through the last season especially with the NFL is it you know after players come out of health and safety protocols they play the next week sometimes they're just not there because it's really impactful now if you think about you know for players you know one to two weeks to come back to their best based on you know whatever symptoms they've previously had to come back in and try and play a full game at a high scoring rate for us when we're talking fantasy you know the AFL is a different beast compared to NFL. They only have to run in short bursts. They play um, downtime in that game. The NBA is a little bit more athletic with regards to up and down that court. So those who've, who've played uh, NBA fantasy over uh, this, our summer have uh, really understood that you know the situation is that players might not come back to their scoring rate really quickly. Now, if you put it into the AFL with regards to you know some of these guys have to run 10, 15 k's a game, so. You know, how, you know, do the players sort of, you know, have to wait a couple of weeks? So when we're talking about, about players with COVID, you know, are we going to trade them out? So it's just a lot of factors uh, need to come into it. So close contacts, they're also in isolation. So, man, it's really going to be some decisions to be made. And, you know, if we, if we get a heads up that the players out for ha- um, currently in uh, health and safety protocols, you know, is it, it's, it's almost for me what my thoughts are is that it's almost an instant trade. Uh, because that's potentially not just one week, it's two weeks, maybe even three, yeah. because tracking all the news, as you obviously everyone knows that I do, is that some of these players over who had, you know, over in Melbourne, and I took, you know, a lot of players have had COVID or been in that situation where they've had to isolate. So the, the scenarios coming out with regards to the news and these players is that, you know, some players are straight back at it. It doesn't impact them too much, but some players, it, it did take them two or three weeks. Now, we have to, unfortunately, we have to talk about it because it's fantasy. Decisions are going to have to be made on on this scenario. So we're not going to know how a player comes out of it and what symptoms they have. So that's all the private details. But we've just got to factor that in from a fantasy perspective is that do we make that pull the trigger early and just trade them out? So... You know, I'm leaning to instantly trade out. So what are your thoughts on based on all that, Jeff? Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of early trade outs that have got to happen. But at the same time, I think team depth is also important for for the late news or the late outs um, that can happen, you know, an hour before a game even when a you know, rat test or a PCR test comes back positive. So mm. um, I'm more conscious at this early stage to have the depth on my bench to cover 
uh, a potential disaster. Uh, it's really important. I, you know, you, you've said it and I've said it as well. Is a deep bench. I set up my round one squad based on a deep bench. So you know that could play it in our favour. You know those who have gone the thin bench and, and you know and, and traded into round one to get the short you know return of the high scores uh, and put in a lot of players on their bench that just aren't even actually in consideration for playing. Probably not even for potentially this year or even the first half of the year. You know those player teams could face an interesting situation there, especially if, if we get impacted throughout the year. All right, Jeff, let's finish off the podcast. So uh, we're going to do a few listener requests. So thanks for sending those in as always. So it's time to play like or dislike. Uh, we're going to do an 18, 18 pack to finish off the pod. So just a straight like or dislike to finish off the pod. Um, so just a bit variance with regards to here. So not necessarily that some of these players played in round one, but, you know, if they're named are coming up for round two, do you like or dislike? So here we go. So Josh Sin, like or dislike? Dislike just for round two. Uh, Sam Skinner, like or dislike? Yeah, same. All the rooks um, dislike just for round two. Let's get a look at the rooks before um, making a call, potentially. Lockie Jones currently in that Port Adelaide team. Jep, like or dislike? No, no dislike. He he was very hard at the footy, and um, he's, he's there as a no-nonsense defender, um, not as an accumulator, so dislike. Matt Crouch, thoughts? Dislike him? No, like, like. I thought he was good in his limited time on ground, very much like. Jake Saligo? No, dislike. The role wasn't there. Wayne Miller? Dislike. Happy to, to go without him. Noah Answorth? Uh, proud owner. Well, not proud, but I'm an owner and dislike. Hopefully he can bounce back. Tristan Cherry. Now, just to I'll preface your comments by saying that... Um, you know, that's a fluid situation for North Melbourne. Um, it, Tristan Cherry is number one. I would say he's coming. It's just a matter of when. Um, he's probably up against Callum Coleman-Jones. I thought Cherry was the better of probably all three of them, Goldstein included. So uh, I think he's pretty solid in the short term. But, you know, the Kangaroos playing those three tours actually turned out to pretty much burn them in that game. So, you know, we'll see he how... Did. Uh, David Noble proceeds this week and might get a true indication of where he sees uh, some of these players. And I think Cherry should be in that team. Uh, that's how I would go. I'd go Cherry and Goldstein. Uh, yeah. And if that's okay, so, uh, if that's the case, I think Cherry's scores uh, all of a sudden get a bit of a bump up. So those uh, listeners that did start with Cherry, I think it should be okay. But we'll see how we go. All right. So like or dislike for Cherry? Very much like. Okay. Will Brody like or dislike? Uh, still like, yep. Uh, Patrick Nash. No, I expect him to be dropped this week. Dislike. Okay, James Sisley. Like Sisley, he was very, very good. Patrick Lipinski. Proud owner over here. Um, very nervous to start him, but uh, yeah, like and hopefully he can continue. Jack Sinclair. Yeah, like. Um, interesting, you mentioned him before about in that second half and and their inside mids. I think. Their plan was to play the young Mitch Owens in the guts a little bit, and he just didn't perform at any, well, at the required level. So they chucked Jack Sinclair in there, and um, to good effect too. So um, another one to watch really carefully as a sneaky defender option. Okay, Jade Gresham. Uh, dislike. Taryn Thomas. Oh, dislike. The role wasn't there. And, and, yeah, when he did go in there, I thought stuff happened for North Melbourne, so that might change. 
Yeah, I actually, that could change. So he was number four, I believe, on the centre bounce depth chart. So we'll see if that changes up there. So, but you got Davies Unaki, you got Simkin, you got uh, Greenwood in there. So he's going to yeah. be in that four. It's just a matter of, you know, where he sits in that four. So that might change. Um, I know David Noble did say in his press conference that, you know, that forward usage is available for Greenwood. So, you know, let's just see how the season plays out. And, you know, Thomas could, you know, start to bump up his centre bounces there, which would be good for his scoring output. Or Justin McInerney had an injury issue late in that game. So apparently he's okay. So we'll just see how that plays out with regards to Swan's injury report. Uh, but for you, Jep, like or dislike? No, big dislike. No. Okay, Jordan Dawson. So his role here was really interesting. So um, played a lot on the outside, played a little bit forward out in the wing, and in the second, you know, the, the Crows were pretty poor in that first half. So that, that, that ball, you know, this is one of these things where I talk about with regards to, you know, the gameplay. So that first half of that Adelaide Fremantle game, um, Adelaide couldn't get the ball out of their own D50. So that a lot of ball just stuck back there as well. They couldn't move out. So Nick's made the move at half time. You know, Miller uh, went forward, so which is really interesting with regards to his role and w- mm. what his ears came up. So that's one to take note of there. So he was moved forward, and uh, Dawson was moved to half back. Now, yeah. throughout the preset, you know, references Matthew Nix is getting the run back in his legs, and I think that came out through Scotty Burns early in the week there as well. He's just getting the run back into his legs because he's one of these COVID players, so you know, he's getting his legs back into it. So he's uh, halfback on well, the second half was really good, and his scoring rate was really strong. So he's going to get some midfield usage there as well. I expect he's he's going to be a pretty big target pretty soon. So I think his scoring rate is going to elevate. But it's really interesting that you know that you know Nick's made the move at halftime to send him the halfback, and all of a sudden you know Adelaide had that. A game on their terms for all of that third quarter and early into the fourth quarter. So, you know, I've got to think that Matthew Nix sort of likes that role for Jordan Dawson half half back. The midfield usage will also be there, but, you know, at half back, his scoring rate's going to be quite good as well. So for me, I'm just going to preempt your um, your answer here. It's a big like for me. Yeah, it's a big like for me too, but I I'm, wouldn't jump on him this week. His break evens, I think, 105 from memory. Um, he's definitely on my watch list. I've done a lot on him and, and got some notes on him, but um, yeah, going to watch him closely in the second half because he did score 52 fantasy points in that second half when there was a role change. Yeah, so that's exactly uh, what we're saying is that, you know, the half back and all of a sudden 52 points. So uh, for me, you can pop off that 100 average there playing that role. For me, no doubt whatsoever. Your thoughts, Ed? Yeah, agree. Yeah, completely agree. All right, and the final one here, the finish of the podcast, Caleb, so wrong like or dislike? Uh, no, dislike. He... Um he, look, he was good on field. It was just, it's just not transpiring in the fantasy sense, is it? So, no, not yet. yeah, not yet. Again, you could switch, but he had 23 possessions for that 69. So, that's sort of his benchmark in terms of possession numbers. Um, two marks, three tackles, not, um, not ideal. So, yeah, dislike. Okay, Jep. Final thoughts ahead of round two. Find those Smokies. Um, you know, this is the high-risk, high-reward trading week, and the trades you do make would dictate the whole season. So um, maybe one for cash generation, maybe one as a left-field option. Are you happy with all your primos and all the roles they're playing? Is there a primo that you really missed out on that you wanted? You've got to go through every scenario, and like I said, I'm going to harp on it again, is 
make sure you have a backup plan or a couple of backup plans with the rolling lockout and you plan your trades ahead and um, what you can do if, if it all goes pear-shaped or there's a late out. Yeah, for me, it's definitely just along the same lines. They're definitely planning out potential trades and what day they fall on, which is interesting and crucial. Uh, keep investing in players that will increase in salary rather than accumulate uh, nothing. So this is, you know, trying to get the short, short-term short fix of a pretty big score uh, from your bench on ground uh, to, you know, trade in a player that's not going to play. So anyway, so keep an eye out for that definitely because we are at round one and there's uh, another 22 rounds to go. So a long, long way to go. All right, Jep, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.